Hello and thanks for joining me for Tui's News, the podcast. I'm Barry Tui and we're here thanks to the Newcastle Herald and of course our major sponsor, West Group. And alongside me as usual is the man who puts the show out there for you to listen to, the Prince of Producers, (laughs) (laughs) the Admiral of the Airways. Simon McCarthy, how are you, mate? I'm still waiting on that big feather hat. <laughs> <laughs> big tricorn thing, real big one. Thank goodness the season's nearly over and <laughs> we, have, we haven't got too many left because I'm running out. <laughs> I think it actually it takes me longer yeah. to think of up something to call you <laughs> than, it, to write than, most it, of the than questions. It, than it does than it does to um, do all the research for the, uh, for our guests. You know, I had to go through and um, fix up my email signature because I had an old, old phone number in there the other day. Mm-hmm. It, it was the most depressing thing when I sat there and just wrote Simon McCarthy, <laughs> comma, journalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, mate. You've got to give yourself a rap. Give yourself a rap. <laughs> okay, well, it's what a massive week it is for, uh, for Newcastle. Um, even if you're not a massive Knights fan, I reckon you'd probably get caught up in the you know, and not in the well, I won't say celebrations because they haven't won anything yet. But uh, yeah, hosting a semi-final, uh, NRL semi-final for the first time since two thousand six. Um, so what a seventeen-year drought! Fantastic and uh, a big win last weekend over the Dragons. Had nine players out, and uh, I got to say, I got to put my hand up and say I tipped the Dragons. I thought the Dragons would probably win. Uh, so I was um, over the moon with the way the uh, the Knights performed without, you know, a lot of their key players, a lot of their stars were out, um, but they still performed wonderfully well against the Dragons and, and a, you know, a big shout out to guys like, uh, young guys like Oren Keeley and and uh, young Riley Jones who, who actually made his um, debut, NRL debut, um, came on in the game and, and yeah, really made an impression. Um, and it, I guess it holds the club in really good stead when you've got young guys like that. And then there's three or four, five or six others in a similar boat to young Keely and Jones who, who will be, you know, a lot more prominent next season after, you know, an off season, um, training with this full squad. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it looks very bright. The, the uh, the future for the club, you know, given what this team has done, nine straight wins, and then you've got some young guys coming through that um, are going to be putting pressure on some of the older guys as well. So, yeah, look, a fantastic, um, fantastic day last weekend, and it'll be a fantastic day at McDonald Jones Stadium on Sunday. Uh, the elimination semi final against uh, the Canberra Raiders. So fifth Newcastle versus eighth Canberra. And, um, yeah, it'll – well, it'll be the third full house we've seen at the stadium in the last four weeks, which is just sensational. And, uh, obviously, we're all waiting to um, to see how Kalen Ponga goes with his um, shoulder injury. He's been out for uh, – well, he's only been out for a week, but uh, – and Jackson Hastings another one who'll be back. Um, he's been out for two or three weeks. Uh, Kurt Mann's another one. Um, yeah, some some players coming back and a little bit of an unknown about how their injuries are. Uh, obviously, you'd love to be going into a finals game with everyone 100% fit, but that generally doesn't happen. But uh, the Knights have beaten the 
the uh, Raiders twice already this season. They built beat them, or well, they beat them convincingly about six weeks ago in Canberra. So Newcastle are going to be red hot favourites. I, I don't know that that's a good thing or not, to be honest, because uh, in the past we've tended to um, yeah struggle against in games that we we're supposed to win. But I will say this, yeah, <laughs> the I know, I know. yeah, <laughs> I will say this that um, this uh, I think last week proved beyond doubt about the belief in this squad um, because, as I said before, to go in with eight or nine players missing uh, from your 17 and to do what they did to the Dragons down there at Cogra, well, that, sh- that tells me that this team has uh, got enormous belief. doesn't matter who's out there. And um, as long as they play, I've got no doubts they'll get past the Raiders who have got some injury dramas themselves and some suspension dramas. But... Um, They'll be tough. Don't worry about that. They'll come up um, ready to give 100%. So the Knights are going to have to be on their game. And hopefully, you know, on a Sunday Arvo before a big crowd, um, we'll see the best of Newcastle uh, and see them advance through to the uh, the next round. Obviously, the last couple of times the Knights have made the semis, um, 2020 and 21, um, under coach Adam O'Brien, uh, they went out straight away. Uh, lost the first game, so hopefully this this time it'll be different. Dan's are keen. I was down the stadium today having a chat with everybody. Ran into a bloke called Cam. He reckons we're going to win thirty to twelve. Over thirty the to twelve. Thirty to twelve. Yeah. Cam, so that's the tip. I hope you're yeah. right, Cam. I really do. Touchwood. <laughs> I hope you're right. Well, I can tell you there'll be plenty of people expect. As I said, plenty of the experts, plenty of the fans on the hill. Probably a few Canberra people actually probably don't think they're going to win. Yeah. Um, but. And they're still the players have still got to get out there and perform, and hopefully, hopefully they will. Okay, big show, mate. Obviously. Ready to go. Sorry, ready to go. You're ready to go. Ain't Lights you? are on. Everything's flashing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we got um, obviously the. I was going to say the Twitter mailbag, but I've been told by numerous people that I can't call it the Twitter mailbag anymore. It's got to be the what? X mailbag. Oh, hey? oh, what do you I reckon? Mean, oh, I don't think that's going to stick around. No, that's, right. that's a I, fad, bit like reckon? the internet. Yeah, you it's, yeah, it's on its way out. I reckon. What do you <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm, I don't know whether you're serious or not. Because <laughs> I've, got, I've got no idea. I didn't even realise it had changed its name. Yeah, um, no, it changed, it changed a few. I don't, I don't know. It changed, changed about a month ago, I think. Yeah. 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 Old Elon just decided, no, don't like the bluebird anymore. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I'm very old-fashioned. Yeah. As you know. I mean, you can't I'm, really. I'm, I mean, I'm, it's not really like And an I'm not like, technologically yeah. sound either. Yeah. But I'm just going to continue to call it Twitter. Yeah, I, I so the Twitter mailbag. Yeah, there you go. I'm happy. I'm happy with the Twitter mailbag, and we got, uh, as you would imagine, quite a quite a bit to uh, get through <laughs> <laughs> later on after our special guest, who will be with us after this. We're recording this. Here he is, Reno. Hey, Phil. Hey, Ben. Are we on? Are we recording? You're ready for us, are you? I am, mate. If you're ready, we can call me back. Oh, we are sort of recording, but I've, I've got a little intro to read first before... Uh... Oh, Jesus Christ. 
And our guests this week, Knights Prop, Daniel Safidi, Nathan Ross, Jared Mullen, Anthony Seabold, Jaden Braley. It's a great privilege to have uh, Tim Zhu, Mark Hughes. Hello, Hughesy. Mitchell Pierce, the greatest knight of all time. Paul Harrigan, good morning. Kurt Gidley, welcome to the podcast, kids. The one and only Kirk Reynoldson. Hello, Renner. Mate, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> our special guest today, well... I guess long before Dom Young and, and Greg Marju and, and even RQ Uate arrived on the scene, uh, the Knights had a big, strong, fast, raw bone, explosive, athletic winger centre who, who excited crowds and scored tries for fun, this bloke. Um, he's a premiership winner who went on to become a, a dual international and he's, uh, he's an outstanding role model now for... For the indigenous, uh, indigenous players, indigenous people, his name is uh, Tamana Tahu, and uh, it's a great pleasure to have him on the show. How are you going, T? Yeah, good, Buzz. Long time no talk. Yes, mate. It is a long time. I, I looked up your bio. You're, you're 42, mate. Where's that? Where's those years gone? I remember when you were 18. Yeah, you remember when I was a little whippersnapper, bring um, <laughs> <laughs> him wet. Yeah. But yeah, time flies. Time, time flies. flies. How's the family, mate? You, you're you in Sydney now, are you? Were you based in Sydney? Yeah, I'm based in Sydney now. Uh, yeah, my kids are all growing up. Yeah. Family's all healthy. Um, yeah, as as you, as you I mentioned, um, time flies. Like, yeah, during that time in my career, um, at the nights when I first started, they were just babies and now uh, they're adults. So um, looking into the next phase of my life and um not being a parent but you know being a being a being a being a dad but also being a friend and a mate and helping the kids and guiding them through life mate yeah man a grandparent maybe down the track too mate <laughs> won't yeah, take long yeah. won't take long <laughs> yeah Hopefully not too, too, too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got a little bit of time to go yet, mate, a little bit of time. Well, t- tell me, I'm gonna, we're going to talk to you about what you're doing. You, you're working for the NRL um, in Indigenous Pathways. Is that where, what you're doing? Yeah, it's under the Performance and Pathways um, in the NRL. So uh, it's the, the Pathways, Managers, um, Wellbeing, HR, and then we've got a – Indigenous strategy team, but uh, last year I got cut in two, and Andrew Abdo filled in two roles, and one's for strategy, and the other is for um, elite football pathways. And um, I'm in elite football pathways, where um, at the moment we're putting implementations into um, upskilling Indigenous coaches. Yep. Um, yep. Using the All Stars as uh, the Indigenous All-Stars, as a, as a pathway. Um, there hasn't been an Indigenous head coach or assistant coach since the franchise started in 1998. So uh, my role is to try and find our first ever assistant coach slash, you know, head coach, um, the Indigenous, yeah, coach. Uh, we, we do have a lot of representation or 11% representation in, in players, um, in the men. I think it's a little bit more in the women. Um, but, yeah, just that next level of having a senior um, official or a senior administrator or football staff in uh, in club land um, is the next um, step. And 
we we might have one up here, mate. We might have a, a future NRL assistant slash head coach up here in Ronnie Griffiths, you reckon? Yeah, well, um, you know, we identified Ronnie as a, as a potential candidate. Um, he He's ticking all the boxes. He's been around for a while. He came up from grassroots. He's done the hard work. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, he was at West Tigers underneath um, uh, Maguire. Um, and now he's at the Knights and um, he's done well, winning a premiership for the women. And then, um, yeah, he's, he's doing really well this season with, with the ladies. Uh, but, yes, yeah, he, he's our head coach for the All-Stars yeah. as well. Uh, we nominated him as, uh, as uh, the perfect fit to take over um, the great legend, Laurie Daly. Yep. Um, and, you know, he's just a start. But, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a small pool and uh, the next steps is, yeah, just trying to um, get some coaches into, yeah, into the, the top level. Good stuff. Good stuff, mate. Um, I'm going to take you back. I, I don't know how good your memory is. Mine's not much good, but you, you're a lot younger than I am. And uh, I've, my advantage is I've done a little bit of research, so um, I might be telling you some stuff that you've already forgotten. But um, um, 196 NRL games all up, um, 121 tries. Uh, so it was a great career. But you were born in Melbourne, mate. You are a Melbourne boy and spent, I think, yes. think the first – what, 10 or 11, 12 years of your life living in Melbourne? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you could, have been, you could have been an AFL player? Yeah, uh, I used to play a lot of it at lunchtime, mate, and uh, I didn't enjoy it. Oh, didn't you? Okay. <laughs> uh, nah, I, I didn't, as you probably know, um, and probably watched me in pre-season, I didn't have a, much of a, a tank when it came to endurance. <laughs> um, it was just short and sharp. Um, uh, things that I would win in, in, in training, but when it came to long distance, I struggled, and that was something that I did at, you know, in primary school in, in Melbourne. Um, it was cricket and, and AFL, but I, I was brought up around rugby league. My mum and dad were rugby league fans, and I was always around it, so it was never, yeah, a, a dream to play AFL. And you mentioned your mum and dad, obviously. Um you could have played for New Zealand as well as Australia. Your mum's Aboriginal. Your dad um, was a Maori. Um, yep. Yeah. So you you could have picked picked either country to play for. And and I think you moved out of Melbourne and you moved out west um, with your mum when you were about twelve. I think you, did you live in Burke and places like that out there? Yeah, my mum's from Burke. Um, and yeah, we went we went back home. We were sort of back and forwards a lot from Melbourne to Burke, but as a young kid, I, 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 uh, we moved around a lot, so I was in various locations, and um, it wasn't until I got to, yeah, Newcastle where I found stability, which was around about 14. How did, um, wh- why, why the move to Newcastle? What was the... Um, because we were moving around a lot, um, and, and, and then up in different schools, and it was just... It was, it was getting too hard for me as a young kid, yeah. uh, making new friends, starting all over again. And then once you got comfortable, it was moving again. So um, when I got to high school, I heard about these um, places called Aboriginal Hostels. Yep. And uh, my first one was in year seven, year eight. I was in um, Dubbo, 
uh, Warrena Hostel and then um, didn't like that too much. Um, and then a couple of my mates during the holidays, school holidays, one time when I was back at work was talking about this hostel that you got um, a bed, you got three three good meals, um, you got uh, you know a pair, of, you get a pair of uh, not just school shoes but also like sports shoes. Or Bass and the boys were walking around in um, nice basketball shoes at the time, and I was like, oh man, this sounds like a good deal yeah I might have a crack at that so um, I think it was around about 14 15 and uh, I applied for a, um, a spot at Kiranari Hostel and um, I got accepted so yeah, it was more about stability and um, I, I needed somewhere where I yeah, just wanted to have a better life and uh, the Kiranari Hostel which is still operating in Newcastle today players yep. like Greg Inglis has gone through there. Tyrone yeah. Roberts, an ex-Knights player. Jesse Raymond, current player, um, have gone through there as well. So um, it, it, it gave me a future, yeah. So was it tough for you growing up? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, just just normal stuff that probably a lot of NRL players go through, um, not just, you know, being Indigenous and Māori, but, uh, you know, a lot of non-Indigenous kids probably went through the same thing, just this dysfunction and um, always relocating or, you know, just, just, a, just a normal day-to-day of, of battlers' lives. And um, for me, um, at the age of, you know, 13, 14, I thought there would be, there's more to life than, than what I'm living in. Yep. And so I made the decision to um, leave home and, and, and go and, um, yeah, go and find somewhere where I could find some stability and the hostels gave me that. Big, big deal for someone of that age, I would have thought. Um, at the time, um, I just thought that was just normal. Yeah. Um, probably... If I was looking at a kid now that's 13, 14 in that same situation and be going, yeah, it's not normal. But um, it's only as normal as what, you, what you're living in. and What um, you're used to, I guess. Yep. And what you're used to, yeah, mate. Yeah. And for me, it was, you know, escaping and, and, and getting, seeing what, what else is out there. And it was only for that night where some mates walked past me in the school holidays and, 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 and pitched a good story, <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have ended up in Newcastle. So, um, yeah, thank God that they walked past me that night. Yeah, it changed your life, eh? Yeah, it changed my life. It, um, it, it directed it into something that I wasn't even thinking about at the time. Um, to me, I was just thinking free food, free you know, free bed. Yep. Get some school clothes, go to school, hang out with some mates, um, and 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 that was it. It wasn't. There was no sense of playing even rugby league because I was playing touch football and basketball in Newcastle. They were my, my two favourite things I liked doing when I was living in Newcastle. So um, football was just something that landed on my lap as a, as a blessing. Who who was who was the biggest influences in your life back then? Was there was there anyone in particular or 
Um, <laughs> Snoop Dogg and Mike Tyson, mate. <laughs> they were my two inspirations at the time. I was in the Snoop Dogg um, and I was in the Mike Tyson. <laughs> um, I didn't have any role models. Um, I did listen to a lot of older men. I liked being around older men for some reason, not be around kids my age. Yep. Uh, um, don't know why, but uh, that's that's who inspired me was those two followers, even though that Mike Tyson was a, um, a bit of a crazy dude back in his day. Um, well, you could probably throw Snoop Dogg into that category too, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, Snoop Dogg as well. Um, but sort of I related to them because – just the, the lifestyles that Snoop was rapping about and then, you know, what, what Mike Tyson went through. Um, was, I related to them. That's what attracted me to them um, around the 90s. Yeah. What, so, yeah. what about the nights, mate? Then when, when, how did it happen? When did it, when did somebody see, see you? Obviously you're playing school footy and well, you started playing school footy, did you? playing third division footy for Charlestown. Yeah. Um, I was playing, I think, division two basketball. Um, I remember just playing for Cardify, which was a rake-up team. It was like, get all the fast followers, all the fast soccer players um, to play on the wing and in the, in the backs um, and then grab the biggest kids in the school and we formed a footy side. That was the card of fire strategy. <laughs> but um, it was not until one day the Hunter Region trials on, there was own trials on. Yep. And if, if I seen the old fella's face, I would, I would I'd remember him, but I forgot his name. I'm sorry, but uh, he was a scout and he was handing out night's invitations to, to go on trial and I grabbed one and at that time I, was, I didn't even have a pair of footy boots I was um, exchanging my footy boots with one of my roommates at the hostel uh, he was playing opens and I was playing 16s and it just worked out that when I would finish he would pl- he would start playing and we will just swap over boots and um yeah, I, I got a trial with the Knights just through invitation um, from some scout that was handing them out to, to young kids at the Hunter Region trials. Mm, and it went from there, mate. Yeah, from there, um, I, I wasn't even expecting to – I wasn't expecting anything. I didn't have the – I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't developed. I I didn't go through any development squads. Um, as I mentioned, I was playing third division. Um, I didn't do weights. I didn't do anything. Um, and I wasn't expecting. I just turned up and uh, for some reason I kept on making the cut. And it wasn't even my goal to or, or dream. It was just um, competing. I loved competing. But I kept on making the team and I, I ended up making the Jersey Flake team. And then I think later on that year, I played reserve grade in the finals for New South Wales Cup. 
and then the following year, New South Wales Cup, I think I played um, first grade. And it was only like in two years from playing nothing to and doing nothing to making first grade. It just happened really quick, mate. It's called natural ability. <laughs> 1999, mate. 1999, you debuted. Um, Warren Ryan was the coach. Uh, yep. Round four, you got any memory of your debut game? Yeah, I do a little bit. My, it was the worst game and probably the scariest game of my life. You're eighteen. Um, you're eighteen at the time, mind you. So you're only a kid. Yeah, yeah. I was. It was the day I think we played South Sydney. Yeah, you did. And um, Chief retired that day, which was disappointing because, you know, I, I grew up watching the Chief, and you know he was a warrior. And on the opposition side was Mark Carroll. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, oh, here we go. This is the perfect storm. You know, first year, oh, first day, I'm debuting and um, I'm about to watch two Warriors go at it. And, you know, Chief knee was too buggered and he, he ended up retiring. So I think John Lomax's little brother, David, ended up starting. But uh, after kickoff, we kick off. Mark, and I don't know why, I don't know who kicked it, but someone kicked it to Mark Carroll. And Mark Carroll comes steaming and he runs pretty much clean over um, John Lomax's little brother, David, and knocked him out. And he got medicabbed off on the first run of uh, Mark Carroll's hit up. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> this, this is this is crazy. What's going on here? And, uh, I was, uh, yeah, there was. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I was like confused. I was like a confused rabbit out in the middle of the field. Um, and yeah, it just went pear shaped from there. And, um, <laughs> well, yeah, you, was, yeah, you, remember. you got towed up. You got beaten twenty-seven to four. I think you you played in the centres with uh, Matt Gidley on. On the boo, do you do you remember? I'll put you under on the spot again. Do you remember who your halfback was? I don't know if it was Justin Holbrook. Yes, well done, mate. Yeah, yeah, well yeah, yeah. Justin Holbrook. Yeah, Justin Holbrook yeah. was the uh, was the <laughs> halfback. Yeah, so I think it was you. You only played the three games in the top grade that year, but obviously the following year, uh, two thousand, you played twenty six, which probably would have been just about all of them. Um, and scored a club record 20 tries at the time uh, in that season. 2001, which we'll talk about shortly, uh, 25 games, you scored 18 tries. And then in 2002, um, you played 21 games and scored 21 tries, which was the club record uh, at the time. Um, Yeah, just some, obviously, injury-free and you were outstanding, mate. You were, and you were still what you were nineteen in two thousand, and and only twenty the following year when when you won the comp. Tell us about two thousand and one, and your memories of that season, and and what it was like to play in a premiership winning team. Yeah, two thousand and one was. Uh, I think two thousand set us up for two thousand and one. We got to the prelims, I think, or the grand final qualifier. And we got knocked out by the Roosters in 2000 and 
we had some really good leaders that left the team that year and David Fairley and Butts, um, Matty Johns. Butts, yeah, Matty Johns. There should, was a lot you of should legends. Have, you should have won it that year as well, mate, probably. Yeah. Well, I reckon we should have won it. I reckon we, we, we would have won it if, um, yeah, it was just a couple of defensive issues, I think, that caused us from, from losing. Um, but, yeah, coming to 2001, new coach, Hags comes in. Um, you know, Walk, Walk Ryan done a really good job, I, I think, in, you know, building a, um, building the club up and... I think it was that time where it just needed a coach like Michael Hagen to come in and, you know, he was around a lot of alpha males, seasoned players, representative players. Um, the confidence of going in 2001, uh, yeah, I just felt confident every time we we played a game. It felt like no one could beat us kind of feeling. And, um, yeah, I was... It was uh, one of those years where, you know, I think everyone was was playing their best footy. So, well, you, you did play was, a, you yeah. did you did play a Parramatta team that was red hot that season as well. I think they only got beat four times during the season, and they were they were heavily backed favourites to win the grand final. And you you blew them away in the first half, but it was in the end. It was your second half try that proved that proved the difference in in the two sides because they did come home with a wet sail the, the eels but um, all the damage done in that first half where you blew them away. Yeah, it was just it just felt it was the perfect game. I think we completed a hundred percent at half time, but um, everything just came off. Um, I think even during the week of that grand final, everyone was confident that we were going to win. It wasn't an egotistic confidence. It was just a feeling, especially driving down. Um, and, and, and the Newcastle fans, like they just love the brand. They love the Knights and yeah. the support that they showed us all that week and you know, all the way down. Um, and, yeah, it, during the game, it was just when we ran out, I, I could just feel there was a different kind of, a different kind of feel um, it, and as you mentioned, like they only lost four games. I think we beat them in one of them at home in round three. I think it was, but uh, it was uh, yeah, just a, a perfect first half. But yeah, that second, the second half, yeah, it was that 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 try. It was just something, yeah, that our team we, we didn't really practice off the field or do extras and, and talk about our game strategies. I was around so many good players that it was just mainly on instinct and look. Yep. There was no calls. Joey, you know, was was big at looking um, and scanning, and it was just reading his eyes and and knowing that he was going to do something. Um, but uh, you know, with, with Gidzie and Dukes and and Robbie O, um, you know, Mark Mark Hughes. I think Joey just knew when to hit the right people at the right time and everyone knew when they were going to get the ball at that time. Yep. That's what made Joey so good. But, uh, yeah, that kick, he, he just looked at – I could see the look and, um, yeah, he, he just put it up in a, in a position where it was a perfect kick because he landed – he dropped it in between Luke Bird and Hodgson to where 
no one made a call on, on, on catching. They sort of both were in no man's land. Yep. And um, the bounce just yeah, perfectly sat up. And, um, yeah, I, I scored the try. I don't know how I scored it. I was sliding. But um, when I looked up, the ball was in front of me. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, the fluke. Fluke, Baz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, don't think, I don't think it was a fluke somehow. Um, you left, you, you were at the Knights for another three years. Um, 2002, 2003, 2004. You finished up. Uh, 2004 was your last year. Um, I think you scored in 97 games for the Knights in that period of time. You scored 82 tries. So your try scoring record was unbelievable um, but you left to go to the Eels at the end of 2004 and the Knights also lost Ben Kennedy to Manly at the end of that year as well and I've got a feeling that, um, that the club may have half decided to um, to let Ben Kennedy go or, or were prepared to let Ben Kennedy go um, thinking that they might be able to keep you under the cap um, because of it but in the end we lost both of you, and you went to to the Eels. Was that a, a what was the decision made? Can you remember why you left? Yeah, um, I remember BK pitching a good manly, <laughs> um, manly pitch to me. Him and Desi got a hold of me. Um, they were like, "Come to manly, come to manly." And um, at the time, I yeah, I didn't want to move to the northern beaches, um, but uh, I got offered. An opportunity there, um, and then I was just having breakfast with Hags one day, and I just asked him because I, I I grew up as a center. Yeah, you wanted to play in the center. The ranks. Yep. Yeah, and that was the that w- it wasn't about the money. It was about the, the positional change. Yep. And um, I pitched the reason why I thought, you know, I, I wanted to play centre, I, I felt like that, you know, at that age, um, on the wing, I achieved everything I did on the wing uh, with Origin and, and playing for the Kangaroos and playing a premiership team, but um, I, I wanted a new challenge and I felt like that new challenge for the next few years was to um, become a centre. And um, Hakes had other plans for me and um, I went down to Parramatta and that's what sold me was Brian Smith saying, I can make you the best centre in the game if you come here. Um, and that, that's what got me over the line was someone having faith in me and in, in, in playing in the centres. Yeah, I guess um, the Knights had Husey and, and Matt Gids um, at the time, so it was to fit everyone in. Yeah, um, and make, yeah, and I understood that. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, I understood that, and they're both great, you know, players and both both great centers. And um, yeah, for me, I I just couldn't be on the wing anymore because I, I needed a new challenge um, in myself, and that was going to be the challenge of um, you know playing in playing in the centers. And um, Brian gave me that opportunity, and um, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I felt like I made the right decision. Yeah. Well, you played, I think, um, three years, 05, 06, 07. You played, well, I'm not sure how many games. You ended up playing 63 for the Eels. But you also 
at, at the end of um, 2007, mate, you, you made the big decision to change codes. I mentioned earlier in the, in the intro that you're a dual international. Well, you went over and played for the, uh, the Waratahs in 08 and 09 and, and ended up playing a couple of tests for the Wallabies. Um, was that ever, ever, did you ever factor in playing Union at any stage until then or how did that happen? Yeah, it happened in two. Uh, the the talk started in two thousand during the World Cup. Okay. Um, my dad ended up getting um, leukemia and um, he was in hospital, and we were watching the the World Cup in hospital at Westmead Hospital one time. And he comes from a rugby background, and I asked him the question. And I said, oh, "Dad, you know, what do you think? Do you think I could play rugby union?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, I think you could. And um, my dad passed away in 2004 and um, I did get offered to play for the Kiwis in the past, but I knocked that back because I wanted to play Origin. And so I wanted to honour my dad in some way and I wanted to play for the All Blacks. That's what was the the goal, was to play for the All Blacks. And uh, an advisor of mine... um, end up reaching out to the All Blacks. I nearly signed with the Crusaders. Um, they were keen. Yeah. But uh, the All Blacks said no at that time. So from there, I went over to the to the war. Ewan and um, uh, Ewan McKenzie, who was the coach at the time, he said, look, we're going to make this fast. Don't want dramas. <laughs> I said, look, all I want to do is um, sign. So uh, the night I walked into the Wallabies to sign my contract, the All Blacks rang and said, "Yeah, we want we want back on." And oh, you're kidding! Yeah, it, um, my advisor was on the phone. He said, "Oh, All Blacks are ringing," and um, we were walking into headquarters of the Wallabies, and um, I was a person of my word, and I was being honourable and respectful um, because of, of the Wallabies, and um, that really hurt me. Um, but uh, I signed the contract and. That was the main reason. The the reason was to honour my father, and um, I got to do that. And when uh, Prime Minister Kevin Rudd gave me my first cap, it was a special moment. Yeah. Um, and you know, I got to do a speech, and the speech was to to honour Dad. So that was the main reason why I went to rugby. Well, you were the forty sixth dual international. I don't know whether you knew yeah. that. Or not. Oh, you knew that? Okay. Oh, no, I thought it was – I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know the number, but, um, yeah, 46 yep. out of – was it over, well, 100, over 100 years, yeah. Yeah, so not not too many, mate. So you joined an, an elite group to um, to play international. So I think you um, – did you, you played against the All Blacks off the bench, I think, in one test yeah. and then played against South Africa in South Africa – in another, in in your in your other test. Yeah, yeah. Look, it was uh, just a yeah. The, the two years that I was there, um, I learned so much. I felt like it actually um, helped me become a, a better player, skill wise. Rugby union playing twelve and thirteen. There's a lot of a lot of rugby league people don't like watching it. Yeah, <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, to me as an athlete, I learned so much about playbooks, about moves, about the skill level, um, you know, playing, playing, attacking 
game, whereas in rugby league, as a centre, you, you're stuck to an edge, you're stuck to a channel, um, you're, you're limited in in, a, in things. Yep. Uh, with rugby union, I, I learned I learned so much, and yeah, that sport gave me a lot. You know, uh, it was I, I enjoyed my time uh, playing rugby union. Good stuff. Well, you, you you came back to league though. You came back to uh, the Eels, and then you had a season in 2011 at Penrith before three more years at the Knights under um, well, you came back under Wayne Bennett uh, in 2012. How did you enjoy the three years under Wayne? Um, yeah, it was it was different. <laughs> it was different. You're being you're trying to be diplomatic here, aren't you? I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> um, you well, know, it was it was at the time a lot of a lot of changes. You know, Nathan Tinkler came in, and yeah. uh, Wayne come in, and he staff, and it just felt like I could you could feel it the tension outside of the team. I don't know if it was conflict in administration or. Or, or what, but um, you know, I, I, by the end of the um, Wayne's tender, I think the wheels fell apart. Yep. Players um, dis- uh, disconnected from him. Um, I think he even admitted it at one time as well, is that you know, he he he, he lost the team in um, in, in his coaching. Um, you know, first year was good. You know, it was competitive. Everyone was probably trying to prove something. Second year was challenging. Oh, and I think uh, we we ended up in the grand final qualifying. Got beat by Melbourne. I got beat but, by yeah, that, got beat by the got, Roosters after beating Melbourne. The Roosters. Yeah, that oh, was yeah, yeah, that was sort yeah. of Bedsy swan song season, wasn't it? Where probably a lot yeah. of the players were playing for him more than anything else, maybe. Yeah. It was actually. I, I remember that. Yeah, like a lot of it was for Benzi and trying to, you know, send Benzi off on a, on a, on a good note because uh, the champion he is. Yep. Um, but yeah, it just just felt like the the nuts and bolts were starting to, to fall off, and by the by the end of it, yeah, it, it just fell apart. And Newcastle's been in the rebuilding phase ever since, and until right now that they. In the semis, yeah, it's been a it's been a bit of a long haul up here. T, it's it's yeah. been it's been it's been tough going f- to be a Knights fan for for quite some time. But um, I don't know, it's everything just seemed to to click and gel at some point this season. And uh, you know, who knows what it is. I I, I want to take you back. You mentioned um, the origin, and I can't not bring it up. Um, Twelve. 12 games you played for New South Wales, um, eight tries, so you, and you played five times for Australia and scored five tries as well. Um, so your strike rate with try scoring was was unbelievable right throughout your career. But um, controversy back in 2010, obviously with the the the, the incident with Joey, uh, the the you know the racial slur in the camp, and you and you um, you pulled out of that. Uh, that game, you walked out of the camp, but I, I get the sense, mate, that um, you sticking up for your beliefs 
there um, probably set you on the path to where you are now, off the field. Is that true? Or no, not? it was a dark time. It was a dark time, mate. Yeah. Um, you know, after I'd done that, um, I felt like the game done me wrong. Um, I felt like, uh, you know, I, I was a victim, but I became the, it felt like I was the offender and um, mm. clubs were saying, you know, when I was um, trying to sign another contract, clubs were, were mentioning to my advisor at the time um, that I was, I bring too much baggage. So um, it felt like that for me, it was a kick in the guts. Um, plus, you know, contemplating to myself, did I make the right decision for my family because I lost a lot of money out of it? Yep. Um, plus, you were, but, get, you were getting threats in that too, mate, weren't you? Yeah, I got death threats. Um, yeah. My kids, I had to pull my kids out of school. We come up to Newcastle, we hid, you know, I didn't want them to go to school because people were saying they want to kidnap my kids. A lot, of, a lot of hate mail, but there was also good mail as well. Yeah. Um, and, and support, you know, there was, you're going to have to, um, a minority of people that are, that are, that are idiots. And, but a majority of the people, um, you know, Australians are very, they're, they're awesome people. And, um, for me, you know, it was just, a a dark time. Um, you know, I, I talked to Joey's, um, you know, I, I forgave Joey a long time ago. When we see each other, we talk, um, you know, and I didn't want to wish anything bad on him as well, but... Um, well, I think it opened we, it opened his eyes too, mate, didn't it? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. I think it did, and I think it opened up a lot of other people's eyes that uh, those days are, are, are gone of, um, you know, bigotry or looking down on people and, um, you know, everyone's equal and... Um, you don't banner in joking on on someone else's um, race um, is is not is, is not a, a joke um, as some people think when they're at a pub they can joke about that stuff but uh, I think you got to have compassion and, and morals there's got to be a, a moral gauge when when you're talking to people <laughs> and um, Joey's moral gauge wasn't wasn't there that night. Mm. Um, to me, I had to sleep over overnight, and, and uh, you know, Jared Hain, he wanted to come with me that that next day. Um, I, I told him not to come. Um, I talked with it with Craig Bellamy. Um, he yeah, was, there he was, was the coach. He was the coach at the time. Yep. Uh, he thought it was a better idea for me if I just left, and I I left and. There was going to be some. There was staff that were trying to cover it up at the time, yep. um, and, and try to make it also injury. But you know, being, being Craig Bellamy, he was like, "No, we're not doing that. We're we're saying the truth of what's happening." And to me, I thought I was just going home, and and um, you know that was it. But it, it blew up. It blew up massively, and um, you know, t- t- I, I wanted to. I wasn't really wanting anything out of it. I just wanted to get out of that that space because I got, I got sick of it. And um, but I think um, moving forward, it's helped other people. 
be strong and stand up for themselves. Um, I've heard it a few times from from people that they've they've had the strength to stand up because of that stance. And um, I don't know, it's a, it's a must, yeah, it's a positive thing, I think. But at the end of the day, um, I, I forgave Joey, and you know we we still talk, and you know Joey's still a friend. He, he rings me up for advice on on stuff, you know, if it's footy related and asks me about back four or five stuff. So we, we still talk and um, what's in the past was in the past. We move forward. Yeah. Uh, regrets, I bet you haven't got any now, but I, I guess there were days in those dark days where um, you had maybe had some regrets, did you? Or did you just basically say, well, I've done what I've done and, and – um, I'm sticking up for my beliefs and and wanting wanting to see change, um, and this is important that I take this stand. Oh yeah, you're playing, you're talking, and you're reliving the the moment over and over. And when when people are saying clubs are saying you're too much baggage, and um, you you can't play, you're struggling to find a club to play footy again on the decisions that you made and um, the backlash. It's like, yeah, should I have just stayed in my place and just take it yep. and not say nothing and just sit there? But then I thought about that as well and uh, that can lead you down a dark path as well um, of, of not um, doing what's right. Um, you know, if, if it could have been something that I could have held on and it could have, you know, destroyed me hiding that secret and doing something stupid. But um, I had to deal with the hard way and I dealt with it. And, um, you know, it's something that I don't re- regret now because um, I felt like what I'd done was right. Well, I would, sometimes you get told that sometimes people can try and persuade you that you've done wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine, mate, that the the Indigenous kids and just the players that look, look up to you now, look up to you with admiration for what you did and, and the stance you took and what you're doing for the game and for them now as, you know, working in that role with the NRL. Uh, yeah, I look at it as humanity. Um, first, it's a humanity thing, and um, it's not just about because it wasn't aimed at me. The racial slur it no. was related. It was, it, it was, and that's the thing. I didn't walk out on. I walked out on because it was those other races that were involved in it, and I just in the in the in the laughing and the smirking and by the group um, that was around at the time. Um, turned me off and it was like it, you know that the moral gauge was wasn't there and um, so it, was, me, yeah, it wasn't it was, just what Joey said it was the reaction of others as well as what Joey said basically yeah 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 100% yeah and when you're in the room and you're, you're outnumbered yeah and there's smirks and giggles and laughs it's like hang on this is not right yeah, this, 
this is, and it, it took me a while to process it. it. Took me a whole night actually to process process what actually happened and what the the environment that I was in, that the actions of, of people, not just by Joey but by the other other members that were in the in the room. Um, but uh, yeah, it it was a hard decision, mate. But um, I done it. And I don't regret it now. I, I, you talk about it being a society thing. I, I, I don't know that we're ever, are we ever going to stamp out racism? I don't, I think there's still going to be some people out there um, that um, are going to be no. offensive. But do you, yes. do, do you believe that it's better now than what it was when you were playing? I mean, did you cop it? Yeah, I can imagine you would have copped it plenty of times when you were as a player. Uh, I copped it in grassroots, but uh, and also well, not not at the elite level. I didn't cop it, but um, I feel like that there's awareness around it now, and that people are educated that you just can't do that. Yeah, and it's just with other things as well. It's about being morally correct. I think there's a lot of programs out there and awareness programs that um, people know and are educated on you cannot say that or you cannot do this. You know, you've got to respect that person or respect that group. There's awareness around it, but people sometimes, and it's a minority of people, can't hide it, can't hide it, and that's where they splurt it out. For example, you know, Latrell Mitchell's been yep. smashed a few times on social media. Yep. There yep. are a minority of people that are just um, bigots and ignorant, and you know what, you can't. You can't change that. You can't change those people because of their hatred in their hearts. A lot of them have got dark hearts. But majority of people um, have got good hearts and know what's right and wrong. And, yeah, it's just it, – you said it, Baz, like you can't stamp it out. It's always going to be there. Is the NRL doing enough? Yeah, I feel like they can do as much as what they can do, which yeah. is – which There's is what a, they're doing. A campaign called "Racism Stops Stops with Me" campaign. It's an awareness program that's out on grass in out in the grassroots, and there's education. New South Wales Rugby League, I know, um, have education programs and judicial programs. Like uh, the New South Wales Rugby League this year, we're having at least six a week racial allegations mm. um, during the season, and that's just a and it, um, some facts on. You know, you can't stamp out racism, um, but you only can educate it. But we've got the integrity unit as well who do a really good job. The NRL only can do um, have programs to, to show awareness and educate. Yeah. But it comes down to the individual on do they want to be a um, – or, you know, do they, they, they should know what's right and what's wrong. And some choose to just be ignorant, but a majority don't. Yeah. Mate, um, getting on to today's footy, um, what's happening with the Knights? Are you excited? I mean, the, the town up here is, is going berserk, obviously. We're, we're just about to have our third sellout game in a row up here um, with the Knights about to play in the elimination semi-final on Sunday against, against the Raiders. Your record, or the joint record you held with Arku, um went by the wayside last weekend in spectacular fashion. Uh, Dom Young, 
a couple of late tries, two spectacular late tries to um, to um, smash your previous record of, of 21 tries for the season. I'm sure you would have caught up. You've been following it. You've been following Dom Young and, and even Greg Marju, who scored 20 tries for the year. You, you would have been impressed with their performances. Yeah, look, it just seems that the way the game is and how it's played today and um, that wingers are scoring 20-plus tries. Like uh, I think back in when I was playing, there might have been about two or three players a year that were hitting the 20s, but this year, nine nine players have hit 20. I think two. I was reading a stat because I was doing. I asked one of my statisticians at, at work yesterday. We we're just having a yarn about it, and I think nine nine players have hit 20 plus. Yeah. Two players or three players. We're like at 19. Um, they're all centers and wingers. I think a couple of fullbacks. It just seemed that the way that the game is played today was was is made for uh, wingers to score tries, and the, the evidence is um, through through the stats. So, but Dom, you know, he's tall, he's he's fast, he's quick, um, he's got endurance. You know, he's he's played ones and played twos. He's taps. You know, he he, he gets some good post meters, and he's he's a good finisher as well, like one on one. You know, I think he's about six three, six four, and he's got speed. Very, very hard to contain. Like just a gifted athlete, and um, it's awesome that he scored. You know, he, he's beaten the record. I'm, 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 I'm happy for him. You know, what he? It's, it's, it's a good news story, isn't it? Because it is. Yeah. It's, you know, he's the, the club's been down on the lows for for a while now, and you know there was a lot of tears the last five or six or ten years and you know we're starting to hear good news you know and where the nights are today and then Dom breaking the record it's just exciting oh, I, I like it it's just it's good for the game it's good for for Newcastle and you know he's he's been an asset and also a massive loss um, that he's going to the Roosters next year I can tell you something mate he did break your record obviously but he doesn't dunk over the crossbar as good as you used to. <laughs> oh, hey, that's yeah, well, that's the most important thing. If you're gonna you're gonna do it, you gotta do it properly, eh? Hey? Well, you got you gotta do it properly, but you've you've also gotta do it after you actually score a try. Poor old Dom Dom dunked over the crossbar and then got the try disallowed. So it was uh, oh. it was a bit of an anti climax. Oh, he finished that last try. I've seen a picture of it, and he done it without looking. So yeah, well, back in back in your day, I I think the were the corner posts still in play back in your day. They probably were. So we we're seeing some. Yeah, they we were. see yeah, we see some. And I can imagine if you were playing in this era, you would have been scoring some. Given your athleticism, you'd have been scoring some of these ridiculous tries in the corner. You know, with the whole body over the over the sideline as well. It would have. It's it's certainly. Um, it's certainly been a rule change that um, has made for some spectacular tries. Yeah, you're right. And I think just the the way that the teams are setting up and how they're shifting the ball and they're a lot deeper and, uh, yeah, like just some of the structural plays that I've seen in those shifts that they've, yeah, it, it's, it's changed a lot. Yeah, it's weird how um, when I was playing that the, goal po- uh, the, the corner posts were in play. Yeah. No, it makes sense, but yeah. I don't know who made that rule up, mate. 
Well, whoever changed it deserves the pat on the back because it's um, certainly certainly a, a great rule now. Mate, it's been fantastic chatting to you. I know you're on the road going up to Newcastle or coming up here to Newcastle. You're going to um, give Ronnie a bit of a hand with the girls um, this week. They've got a big game on Saturday um, up yep. against the uh, the Roosters, the joint competition leaders uh, up against each other. So. Um, so, you know, I know you still keep an eye on Newcastle. It's probably a place that um, holds a pretty special or well, place in your heart, I would imagine. Yeah, it does. My kids are, were born in Newcastle. Um, I think that's where my life started, you know, in Newcastle. Um, and Newcastle Knights gave me um, were a blessing and they gave me a life that most people dream of and doing little things for the Knights, like this year I got to present Kalen Ponga, his 100th jersey. Um, I know Betsy wants me to come up here and do something with Dom on his um, record winning try, and then Ronnie asks me to come up here and um, do a bit with his with his back five, which, you know, those girls at the Knights, they're, they're, they're really good girls. They're respectful, and, and they're just great players, but this is my way of give them back to the club because I, whatever I do, I can't repay for what they've given me. So um, if I could just do a little bit by bit, um, hopefully I can repay them. <laughs> oh, mate, I think I think you, you – well, you, I know you've repaid the fans, put it that way, because, um, yeah, all the tries you scored and, and the performances you put in. Maybe if you're coming up to do something with Dom, we could have a, we could have a dunking competition – yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure you might be 42, but I reckon you could still dunk, dunk a footy over the crossbar, couldn't you? Uh, I think if I jump, mate, my legs will, will uh, stick to the ground and my body will go over the goalpost, mate. These, these, I'm like Tin Man these days, mate. <laughs> well, maybe you better not do that then. <laughs> Good on you, Tamana. We've been great catching up, mate, and um, hopefully see you soon. And, and uh, it's great to know that you're still... Um, involved so heavily in the footy um, as I say you're obviously visiting all the clubs at various stages during the year so you're, you're still tied up with, with rugby league still tied up with the NRL and, and still um, closely associated with the Knights which is fantastic so great to catch up thanks Rose I'll talk Thank to you, you soon mate Tada. bye there he is Tamana Tahu wow what a story he's, he's got, he is, because um, as he told us, he basically um, came here as a kid um, on his own um, to try and get a better life and, and um, ended up playing for the Knights and creating a life for himself and his, and his family, which is uh, fantastic and a, and a great fella, a really good fella who um, yeah, really stood up for himself back in the day and, and uh, has come through that and... and 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 made it a bit of uh, a better better time, I guess, for or for Indigenous people. Um, so great to see him leading the way there. It's a good interview, mate, wasn't it? Yeah, that was good. That was incredible. Mm. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Well, we got the uh, what do we got? The mailbag. Mailbag. Here it is. Daz Mackay. Hey, Baz. Is Novacastrian Grant Anderson? The winger from the Melbourne Storm, a target at all. Um, well, he's off contract, um, Daz. So 
and he's a local boy, obviously, a central Charlestown boy, central Newcastle boy. So he should be um, in the mix, I would have thought. He should be in the conversation. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they're doing as far as finding a wing replacement for Dom Young at this stage. There's, they're no, not in any real hurry, I don't think so. But uh, I would imagine um, that uh, Grant Anderson is someone they have spoken about. Elliot Lovejoy. New Brown is pushing his case to be re-signed by the Knights for 2024. Yeah, look, Elliot, he's been great, hasn't he? The last um, couple of games came off, off the bench and then started last week against the Dragons. I thought he was excellent against the Dragons, scored a really strong try and, and uh, made some made a lot of metres. Um, Defence was great. Um, yeah, whether they can fit him in, I, I would imagine, I would think... Elliot, that they might have to move someone out of their squad. They've got two spots left. I think think they want both of those spots for um, for wingers. Well, actually, they've got three spots left, but I think they're trying to re-sign Brody Jones. So I think the other two spots will probably go to outside backs, but uh, that doesn't mean that they may not be able to find a, a spot for New Brown. Although in saying that, um, I think they basically see him as a as a hooker and the Knights, given that Phoenix Crossland has gone so well this year, Jaden Braley be back and obviously um, Young Jones on the rise as well. They may think that that spot's covered, but uh, wait and see. Uh, Aaron Woodbury. Hi, Baz. Did we chase Cogger over Clune or did Clune decide he wanted to go somewhere else next year so we went after Cogger? Um, no, Aaron... Um, Clune hadn't decided he was going elsewhere. I think um, they, the club made the decision to, to chase Jack Cogger over um, Clune. Um, you could argue now, given the fact that he's played so well in the, those couple of games that he's been there when, when uh, Jackson Hastings has been out, that um, maybe if that had have come a little bit earlier, they may not have worried about chasing Jack Cogger. But Jack's, Jack's uh, um, I guess a lot younger, and uh, he was enormous for Penrith last weekend, Jack Cogger. So I don't know that there's anyone at the Knights disappointed um, that they've gone for Cogger over Adam Clune, and Adam Clune will be playing in England next year, and, you know, he'll he'll kill it over there. He'll be very good over there. So I, don't, I think both players have come out winners, and the club's probably come out as a winner as well. Tom Hagen, the Mayor of Scone. Nice little Dorothy. Uh, congratulations to the Scone Thoroughbreds, by the way, who won the uh, Group 21 Grand Final uh, last weekend. Adam Clydesdale, the captain coach up there, the ex-Knight. Um, yeah, gone back-to-back back up there, so fantastic uh, for Scone. And Tom's got, um, what's impressed you the most this season on the field? Also, who has been the toughest, can't get a decent yarn out of them, interview since the club's inception. <laughs> uh, oh, God. What's, <laughs> impressed me, yeah, what's impressed me most this season on the field? Oh, look, I, I just think the, the way the players have all bought in, um, you could go, you could look at individuals and say they've all, you know, they've been fantastic. I think the improvement uh, in players like uh, Phoenix Crosland, for example. Um, uh, who else? Thompson. I think he's been fantastic. Greg Marju's you know, showed glimpses of it at the Gold Coast, but has been enormous this year. Obviously, Dom Young 
um, his try scoring feats and and uh, those couple of tries last week against the Dragons. I didn't mention that before, but uh, they were um, they were unbelievable. Um, yeah, look, I th- I just think the improvement in in everyone. Uh, and the and the fact that they've found some resilience, I think that's the most important thing as far as what's impressed me most about their on-field stuff. As far as the um, the uh, interviews go, well, um, I could I could start the other way and the easy interviews. And if you're talking now, um, you don't have to worry about getting to uh, getting words out of uh, Jackson Hastings, for example. He's a good talker. Tyson Gamble. Um, uh, who else is there? Adam Elliott, great talker. Um, going back a little bit, Nathan Ross. He was a journalist dream, Rossi. Um, he always had a quote and, uh, yeah, he was a great talker. And Adam McDougall, who I I can't get on the program, unfortunately. He, he's, he tells me he's a recluse now. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably worried about that I'm going to ask him about all his multi-million dollar business he's got. But anyway, um, yeah, he, he's a recluse. Great fellow, uh, Dugues. And back in the day when he was playing, uh, they used to put him up at press conference and we'd be there for three quarters of an hour waiting for him to finish. <laughs> he was he was he was outstanding. Um Renner Renner was a bit of a chatterbox when we had him on the show. Oh, he was yeah, great. Yeah, I go back and was, listen to that one every now and then. He was good, yeah, yeah he was very good, Renner. Yeah. Um as far as the tough ones go, uh look, obviously the one that comes straight to mind is Darius Boyd when he was here. Um he didn't like journalists and um obviously he went through that well, he went and got himself um, sort, sorted out men- mentally-wise, m- mental health-wise, um, when he left here. But um, And I think he's a lot better for it now. Um, but back in the day, he was, yeah, it was like um, dragging teeth out of someone's mouth to um, get a quote from, from Darius. He was very <laughs> tough to interview. Uh, Tau Tau Moga was another one. Um, now, Tau Tau is a great fella, uh, a really good fella. And one-on-one, he was okay, but he used to, uh, if you got him in a press conference situation, I, I, we timed his press conferences. I think they were a minute 20, a minute 30. <laughs> he just he just didn't want to be there. He was very nervous and didn't want to say the wrong thing. Um, so he was nervous. If, he, if we go right back, obviously, the I can remember the two Papua New Guineans back in the early, very early years, uh, Arnold Karawanti and... and Dari Kovai, you were struggling to get a word out of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Paulie Marquette. Well, we had Paul, Paul Marquette on the show not that long ago. And, um, you know, back in the day, he was an actions man. He wasn't many words. Yeah, man, a few words. He was an actions <laughs> man. So they're, they're just some that come off the top of my head. There's obviously others. But anyway, uh, Josh Watson, is Crossland due for an upgrade before season's end? Definitely earned it. Uh, Josh, look... Um, Phoenix comes, he's got another year to go. So in November, November 1, he will be allowed to talk to anyone in the NRL re-2025. Uh, I would imagine that the Knights will upgrade him prior to that for next year and um, extend his contract out. I don't think there's any doubt about all they'll try to. I don't, And I don't think there's any doubt about that that, that, that will happen. I mean... Phoenix is on a very low contract. I don't. I don't. I think he's on something like one hundred and thirty thousand a season. So, as you say, he deserves it. He's earned it, and uh, I'm pretty sure the club will look after him. Uh, Josh again, 
Uh, what's Riley Jones's position? Seems to be very similar to Kurt Mann's playing style. Well, uh, Riley Jones was a, was played a lot of footy in the halves, a bit like uh, Danny Badiris actually. Played a lot of footy in the halves and they've switched him to hooker and thought he was terrific on, on the weekend. He doesn't look like a hooker, mind you. He's a bit tall probably, but he's crafty. He's got a good passing game. Um, he scoots out a dummy half. I'd imagine he's got a kicking game as well. So, um, yeah, whether he can play, well, he can certainly play in the halves, I guess, if need be. But uh, I would think that um, hooker is going to be his position going forward. Uh, John Moriarty. Um, in what areas, if any, can the NRLW Knights improve ahead of their top-of-the-table uh, Saturday Arvo clash with the Roosters? Yeah, look, great clash there. The two teams on sitting on top of the ladder. Um, where can the Knights improve? Look, I, I think the Knights have excelled this year, uh, and Ronnie Griffith's done a great job as far as this goes with their defence, their resilience in defence. Um, their will, willing, willingness to to you know fight for each other and scramble in defence has been uh, outstanding. I think where their improvement can come is in with their attack. Um, yeah, that would be an area where I think um, the Knights can improve. It'll be a big test against the Roosters because they've been going really well as as well. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I reckon we'll see on Saturday some areas where they have to improve. They've had some injuries. Uh, particularly in the forwards, and they've sort of covered for them really well. Um, yeah, but I, I, I think maybe their attack needs to gel a bit more before we can start saying, okay, well, we're, um, well, we are in a great, we, we in a great chance to uh, defend the title. But uh, I just think their attack needs to improve a little bit more before I'll be super confident about them doing it. Um, uh, Jared McKinley, who's been your player of the year and have you bought your grand final tickets yet? Well, I don't think grand final tickets are on sale, so even <laughs> if I wanted to buy them, I don't think I can. Um, oh, look, Kalen Pong is the, my player of the year. He's won my um, Newcastle Herald Saturday column player of the year competition pretty comfortably. Uh, he's been outstanding in the last – well, he didn't play last weekend, but um, in the run where they've gone on their winning run, he's been terrific – and uh, he sort of got ahead of people like Dane Gagai, like Greg Marju, like um, Tyson Frizzell. Um, they're probably the, the pick from my point of view. Uh, ben Payne. Hey, Baz. Um, multiple choice question. Who do you think deserves most credit for the turnaround of the club? A, Nathan Brown. B, Phil Gardner, C, Adam O'Brien, D, Peter Parr, or E, Barry Tui. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> scrubbing E out of the equation, Ben. Thanks, thanks mate. But, um, yeah, uh, I would say all of the above, A, B, C, and D. I think, um, well, I think Nathan Brown obviously didn't win many games as coach, but um, he went through that period where he cleaned out a lot of players, gave a lot of players an opportunity. Um, players like the Safidi boys, obviously uh, Fitzgibbon, uh, brought Kurt Mann to the club. Uh, there's some others that he brought to the club as well. Um, so, you know, you got to give Brownie some credit for that. Um, Phil Gardner, well, hey, a lot of people criticise Phil Gardner, but the bottom line is 
um, he's the CEO, and and without West's support, um, I don't think the Knights would still be here. To be honest, uh, I think the NRL would have taken them away from here. Which, you know, given what's happened in the last few weeks here, would sounds ridiculous, but. Um, Somebody had to fund them. Somebody had to look after them, and the NRL didn't want to do it. And West have come in and taken over. So full credit to them and to uh, and to Phil Gardner, um, as far as that goes, uh, because the future of the club was at stake. And um, you know they've they've made sure that Newcastle has an NRL team, which is fantastic. Adam O'Brien, Peter Parr, well, you know clearly. Um, Adam O'Brien's been heavily involved for the last four years, so uh, and played a massive part in where this team is now. And Peter Parr was Peter Parr's brought some stability to decision making, um, all that sort of stuff this year. So um, yeah, look, I think as I say, all of the above, apart from E, and four. <laughs> lock in E, Eddie, yeah, lock yeah. it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam Chris, hey Baz, what's your thoughts on keeping Ponger on the bench? and see how the game goes? And do you think the Knights need a strike winger to keep momentum going because Young is a massive loss? Um, Xbox Knight, straight after that, is is it worth the risk to rest Ponger again another week if he's not 100%? If everyone else is right to play, I think it's doable. Uh, look, guys, I think if... Um, Kalen will play. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's been, been training um, and... I don't know that they're going to know really until the day how his shoulder's going to hold up. It's obviously going to be heavily strapped. He's going to be um, pain-killing injections, all that sort of stuff. But I don't think that you can risk, even though I've got a lot of faith, uh, given what happened last week in in the team, um, being able to get over the top of the Raiders. I don't know whether you can risk uh, leaving him out for another week, uh, unless he's not ready to go if he can't play he can't play but if he's if he thinks he can play i think you've got to play him simple as that um as far as the um signing another winger goes well yeah they, they they'll try um but there are other alternatives uh minari tawala i thought has been terrific um in the last few weeks so he's he's there um he, he doesn't have the physical presence maybe of dom dom young but um can still score a try as he's shown in the past. So, look, I I, I don't think that's uh, a massive issue at this stage, and they've still got the space to sign a replacement for Young. So we'll just wait and see what happens. Uh, Daz McKay again. Hey Baz, what are the chances of Tyson Gamble getting an extension at the end of the year? I th- would think that they're a really good chance. Daz, um, Tyson's got another year here, but he's off contract at the end of next season, and uh, he's played great. He's been really good. So I can't see why you wouldn't um, extend him. Cameron, sell out game three weeks in a row. Let's go with the lots of odor. Good on you, Cameron. Uh, the Axe of Druss. Remember him from last week? <gasps> yeah. You did tell me what that meant, but I've, yeah. forgot, I've forgotten already. Axe, how uh, are you? G'day, Axe. Uh, <laughs> loving the rise of Tyson Gamble. Great to see him finally realise his potential and shake the loudmouth fringe first grade label and prove his worth is it a sign of the club's environment being a place that nurtures positivity ah uh, that's a very good question Max. i would i would suggest to you that rather than it being a sign of the club's um environment that it's nurtured his positivity 
connectivity. I, I think it's it's probably as much the other way as well. I think Tyson Gamble's the type of character that's come into the joint, uh, full of beans, full of confidence, and and a massive competitor, and it's rubbed off on some of the other guys. So I think Tyson can take some of the credit for that. He loves it here in Newcastle. He's told us a couple of weeks ago how much he loves it here, and, and um, that always helps playing good footy. Um, but I think, you know, his, his competitiveness and the competitiveness of guys like Adam Elliott and Jackson Hastings, um, the new guys this year, they've, they've really added to the squad in that regard and that's made a massive difference, I reckon. So I think Tyson can take a lot of the credit for that. Alex, do I buy grand final tickets and put the remainder of my life savings on a Newcastle premiership? <laughs> uh, Alex, I'm not your financial advisor, mate. And if I was, I'd probably wouldn't be putting your – depending on what your life savings are, if they're, if they're not much and it's not much to lose, well, go go for your life. But Go I'd, on, live on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, John – um, John, how does the Knights team compare to 97 and 2001? Okay. Um, I guess that's John Pritchard asking this. Uh, John, I, I guess the answer is, um, um, well, time will tell, I suppose. Time will tell. Like you, you look at the 97 team, um, a team full of Newcastle DNA, a, you know, a hard-working, passionate group of players led by the ultimate leader in in, uh, in Paul Harrigan. Uh, they had the brilliance of Andrew Johns, obviously, Robbie O'Davis, uh, Adam McDougall, those types of players. And then 2001, well, they were, they were a team of superstars in 2001. There was, I don't know, there were eight or nine representative players or future representative players in that team. You, you know, you had Joe at his peak, you had Ben Kennedy's peak, Danny Badiris, Matt Gidley, uh, Tamana Tahu, Adam McDougall, Steve Simpson, all those types of players. Um, so you look back on that and, and uh, you think, wow, what a, what a team. So th- this team, I, I don't know that it's there yet, but certainly showing some good signs. Um, and maybe in four weeks' time, I might be able to answer that better. We'll see. <laughs> Let's hope so. Um, Simon Mortimer, can the Knights go all the way? Oh, look, Simon, it's going to be difficult, obviously. Um, they've, got, they've got to win, you know, what is it, four sudden death games to claim the premiership. So, that, And they've already won nine in a row, so that will mean 13, 13 in a row to claim the title, which is going, which is very difficult. So we'll just wait and see. Um Potential-wise, ability-wise, if Kalen is, you know, anywhere near 100% and Hastings the same, then um, who knows? The opposition, none of the opposition will want to play the Knights in the next few weeks, that's for sure. Uh, J-Hop, are they looking forward to playing the Broncos in the grand final? J-Hop thinks it's a Knights-Broncos grand final. Oh. Who knows? They'll be looking forward to playing anyone in the grand final. If, if it means they're playing in the grand final, it won't yeah. matter who it is. They'll already have beaten some pretty good teams to get there. So, uh, Troy Andrews. Hey, Baz. Long-time Knights fan and the wife booked a European holiday six months. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the wife booked a European holiday six months ago. 
I'm in Spain at the moment and will miss our first home final in 15 years. <laughs> Question. How's do, the serenity? Do I, do I, A, divorce her immediately, <laughs> B, suck it up and enjoy myself begrudgingly, or C, book a flight home for grand final in secret? <laughs> Cheers, Baz. Oh, dear, dear. Mate, look, I think, I think you've got to cut your wife a, a little bit of slack here. What do you reckon, Simon? You've got to cut your wife Absolutely. a Absolutely. Six yeah. months ago, you know, even I probably wasn't expecting the team to be um, playing in the finals, yeah. let alone be half a chance. Uh, so maybe the immediate divorce is a little bit drastic. Yeah, it's a long walk home from Spain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is too, mate. I, mate, I was in Spain, uh, what, a couple of years ago now um, and loved it. So you just got to make the best of of what you're doing, and and uh, to be fair, I don't know whether you should be should be um, blowing up about the fact that you know you are in Spain. Yeah, a lot of um, people would I love mean, to be in Spain. Yeah, so, <laughs> life's hard. Yes, just find yourself a, a television that's got Australian sport on it, mate, and um, watch your way for the next four weeks, hopefully, and then maybe um, you, you know you never know if you. If you're that desperate to come home and watch them in the grand final again, then um, maybe make that booking. Send us a postcard. I've actually got some friends that are that are massive Knights fans. One's ah. ex Knights chairman Michael Hill. Oh, who is uh, who we've had on here. He he's uh, obviously going to be at yeah. um, at the stadium on on the, on Sunday for the game, but flies out next week for an overseas trip that he's had planned for nearly twelve months. <laughs> Um, there you go. And he's actually talking about flying home if the team early if the team uh, makes the grand final. So, and another f- friend of ours, Sam North, who's um, away on a on a boating trip that his wife that his wife arranged for him. Um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, you guys have got a rough life. I mean, I'm yeah, exactly. like, I don't know how you're coping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and last but not least, Marty again. Hi, Baz. Is Brian McDermott getting enough praise for our success? because Adam Elliott particularly praised him on bringing a different style of defence, which is working big time. Your thoughts. Brian McDermott, the assistant coach, who's won, I think, five, if my memory serves me right, might be four, five English Super League premierships over there in England. Uh, yeah, look, he's had a big influence on the, the defence of the middles. Him, him and uh, Rory Cross-Jason, one of the other assistant coaches, have done a great job with defence. The Knights are defending super uh, I think it's a bit of a team effort in there because um, you know everyone's everyone's played their part uh, in what's going on uh, at the club. So certainly some kudos to Brian McDermott. Okay, that's it for this week. Um, back next week, hopefully. Yeah. Talking about the Knights taking on maybe the Warriors in New Zealand or Penrith at Penrith uh-huh. um, in the next semi-final. Let's hope they can get past the Raiders on on the weekend and uh, advance and uh, do it in style and and maybe put us out of our misery early by running up a big lead early and so we can just coast home. Yeah, that'd be good. Enjoy, people. Uh, Should be a great day there on Sunday and good luck to the girls on Saturday against the Roosters and we'll chat again next week. Bye for now.